In honor of Lenny Bornstein, please enjoy this episode of Secret to My Success, while Alan, Lenny's son, interviews him about his creation of the Lemon Law and life. Good morning. Welcome to Secret to My Success. My name is Alan Bornstein, and I'm here with... Luis Alasea. Good morning, everyone. Happy to be here once again in this beautiful, beautiful morning. So we are here to talk to business owners about their journey, their venture, how they went from being employed by somebody to being self-employed. Luis brought some amazing guests in here that have played professional sports, football, baseball. Football, baseball, uh, basketball, and uh, golf. We've had some wonderful people, and this is about learning their secret to their success to help you grow your business. Thanks for being here with us this morning. We're so glad you could be here. If you have an interesting story, if you know somebody that you think we should be talking to, we'd like to hear from you. You can reach me, Alan, 561-953-2007 at extension 101. Once again, my name is Alan. Secret to my success, 561-953-2007, extension 101. Please call us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Scream, Dawn. Hi, Alan. Hi, Dawn. And we also have our guest host today, Mr. Marcelo Chinsky. So we've had a pretty common theme with many of our guests that their family told them that when they were starting their own business, they were crazy. Don't do it. You have a job. You're doing well. Don't do it. And it's interesting that I had support from my father. My brother was the one who always told me, cut it out. Just go get a job. Stop messing around. Just go get a job. But my father, who was a social worker, was the one who always said, Alan, don't give up. Don't stop. You'll find the right one. You might fail a few times, but you cannot give up. And I think he was living his dream of being self-employed vicariously through me, and he encouraged me to do it. So we are bringing my father, Leonard Bornstein, here as our guest to talk about his story. Hi, Leonard. Dad. Yay! <laughs> Say something funny, Dad. Well, I, I'm not a comedian, so if I say something funny and you don't laugh, I'm gonna, that's going to make me feel real bad. Okay, then don't say <laughs> so, anything So funny. I won't try to tell a joke. <laughs> Let's not that do that. That was a good answer, though. Yes, that was a good answer. Oh, by the way, <laughs> even though we're on Legends Radio, he has no idea who Frank Sinatra really is. Oh, come on. I'm serious. No, he said he wasn't sure he liked him all that much. Oh, okay. Okay, so nobody's going to hold that. He's a New Yorker. He's from Brooklyn. He used to talk He should funny. like Sinatra. He had... Two of the nicest parents in the entire world, my grandparents, and my adorable Uncle Jack was his older brother, who I miss dearly. Uncle Jack, you were a good man. So, yes, we had him in here at one point, and just an unbelievable guy. But we're here to talk about my father. So my father, it's interesting. At one point, like, he used to pick his battles, and I'll never forget that when he lived in South Windsor, they were planning on putting a big mall in South Windsor. And his battle was that they didn't want the mall in South Windsor. And they did like a, a car parade trying to say why the traffic would be bad and why everything would be bad. And he convinced them to move this thing out of South Windsor, which is really interesting. And they moved it to Manchester. I remember this. Okay. Yes, South Windsor was not happy about having the mall there. So South Windsor didn't get the mall, but what they got was the traffic. <laughs> and they didn't get any of the revenue. All they got was the traffic. So that was a battle that he picked and won, but at the end, 
it was kind of an ugly battle that you won. Do you remember this, Dad? I remember very clearly. Right? Yeah, they wanted to build on a large uh, field that had plenty of acreage. But uh, as, I, as you just said, the people, I got the South, people in South Windsor roused up. <laughs> you did? <laughs> yeah. You convinced them to move yeah. it to Manchester and all you got was yeah. traffic and yeah. crime. Well, it was still better to, that way than, than if they put up that thing in, uh, in South Windsor. Okay. So that was one of the battles that he won, but he didn't really win. There was another battle that he actually picked, which I thought was pretty interesting. We're going to talk about that. My father is the father of the Lemon Law. You've all heard of the Lemon Law? The Lemon Law, yeah. The, the, the car, yep. Yes. So I'm going to let him talk a little about the Lemon Law, but we'll stop him every now and then and ask him some questions. So, Dad, tell us, how in the world did you decide that you were going to be this guy who championed the Lemon Law in Connecticut? Yeah. Well, it's a funny thing. It wasn't called the Lemon Law at the beginning, but we was, I was sitting at a coffee break with my coworkers, and one coworker complained, he just bought a new car and he's having all kinds of troubles with it. And the warranty was for one year or 10,000 miles, whichever came first. So what happened is after the year expired, I mean, it came up, he still had trouble with the car, but when he brought the car to the dealer, they were charging him to fix what they should have fixed before. But it was more than one thing. So. I, I told him, and he said that to, he tried to get a lawyer, but a lawyer wouldn't take the job because there was no money to, to get the repair money and his fee. So he was up a tree. So I, <laughs> so I, I, told, I, I told the group, there was about four or five of us, and I said, the trouble is we complain about it, but we do nothing. Can I tell you real quick the irony of this whole story is? My father used to believe if you spent more than $50 on a used car, you spent $50 too much. Yeah. In fact, he never changed the oil. He always added oil because there was no need to change the oil. It dropped so much. So, yes, yeah, so let's yeah, continue. That's true. <laughs> so I didn't have a new car. So it was no, you might say, well, why, why are you going to bother me? You know, we'll do it, do it this. So I decided I had a copy machine at home. So I, oh, by the way, it wasn't a copy machine. It was one of those old mimeographs yeah, that you smell the ink. Oh. Yeah, a yes. manual copy machine. Yeah. So I printed about 200 copies, and I called it a newsletter. I called it the Soapbox. That's a question. And the logo was a box with a name with written in the, on the box with Soapbox, and on top of it, a man like he's talking. You know, So that, that was how it got started. So in, in it, I printed this thing that how unfair it was for new car buyers to, to be stuck with lemons. You know, use the word. And uh, so, so I wrote, wrote it and I sent it out to organizations, to consumer protection organizations, each one. I sent it out to, uh, to, to the, uh, the automobile associations. And, uh, and, and so I just sent it out to give, give the information out. I didn't expect anything, but I just wanted to let people know what was happening. And then I went to my representative. I lived in Manchester, Connecticut. And I went to my representative, and I told him what I just told you, that it's not fair. So he said, he said oh, you're right. Uh, we should do something. So I asked him, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> 
excuse me, Lenny, was this a state representative or was this the the this, U.S. representative? No, the state. The, the state. Okay. Of course. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he spoke, and he said he was going to put a bill, he called it a bill in a hopper, which meant he's going to put a proposed law into the whatever machinery they use. And uh, so, and but within Connecticut, as in other states, before a bill goes before the full legislature, it goes before a committee. And that's what determines what gets to the full legislature. And I, uh, and he said he was going to be, and I asked him, what's the process? And he told me what the process was. So when it was a committee, uh, a hearing was scheduled, I, I went there, and the representative didn't show up. He did not show up. My, the representative didn't show up. So anyway, but you know who showed up? A vice president from General Motors showed up at that hearing. Yeah. And new car dealers showed up at that hearing, all opposing that proposal. Now, the proposal was for, for instead of 1,000 and 10,000, was for five years and uh, for, you know, for, for five years and uh, 50,000 miles. Now, I knew what, that's kind of a lot to ask. You're not, not going to get it, but I learned from my, from my education. Because uh, I majored in government, that p- agencies always ask for more money than they really need because they know it's going to be cut. So they never give them an exact figure. <laughs> so, uh, so I learned to ask for more and take less. But uh, so anyway, you know, the the, uh, the committee heard these people, and they have a choice that the committee can say I, you know, for, or they say table. They don't ever say kill. <laughs> they don't say kill, <laughs> but the committee, after hearing everybody speak, uh, didn't, uh, tabled it, which meant the, the proposed law was dead. You know? And so that was when the next year I went back. I ha- he was still my representative. I felt the reason why I had to use my own representative, because if I use a, a representative that represented other towns or something, it tells something to the legislators. He can't get his own legislative interests. So I had to use my own. And I, get, I kind of let him have it. I said, you know, you put, the, you put the bill in and you didn't show up at the committee hearing. He said, I forgot what he said. But anyway, he said, well, I'll, next time I'll, I'll put it in. I'll be there. So the next, next year, the next uh, legislative session, he put, he put the bill in. And I kept calling him and said, when is the committee hearing? And he said he didn't know. He'll check. And then one time I, I did call him. He said, well, the, the uh, committee held it, but the wrong committee held it. And I, the wrong committee. Now, he knows better. <laughs> he knew. I knew that was just, but I knew that they didn't want that law passed because that was a dumb reason. But anyway... The following year, I was in South in South Windsor. I contacted the, my state representative there, and he said that was, oh yeah, it's a good idea, good idea. He put the committee, and they had a committee hearing. He didn't show up, <laughs> you know. So that tells the rest of the committee, you know, the subcommittee, that you know, if your own boss, if your own representative, you know, is not there, then you can't pass the bill. Then. I, uh, sp- I spoke to then he representative when he ran for re-election he was uh, defeated and uh, a fellow named John Woodcock the third he became 
the representative. So I approached him, and but before I approached him, things happened. I knew that I had to get wide support, public support for this bill. So what I did is I printed 600 copies. Them I gave, I gave them out to my four kids. Yeah, I gave them out to my four kids. Work, right? Yeah, oh yeah, four kids. Yep. And we went to what is known as the Enfield Morgue, which was a large morgue near the uh, Massachusetts border. Mm-hmm. And, and I figured by giving it out, a lot of people are going to see it. Whereas before, it was low, I, was, I was known more in, Hart, in the Hartford area. I mean, people in the Hartford area knew me about that. But anyway, I asked the kids to put on only new cars. At that time, you can tell what a new car No, there was, was more to it than that. He told us to make sure we didn't put them on old cars that yeah. had damage because they'd blame us for damaging the car. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. never put a flyer on a broken window because they're going to blame you. So, yes, he yeah. wanted new cars, but it was though, right. right. Yeah, okay. You I, I that. learned that when I was like eight years <laughs> yeah. old as we were yeah. putting this stuff up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And in the meantime, I rented a, a mailbox at the, at the local post office you know, so people can reply. I rented it for one month only because people want to. You know, write and tell me what they think about it. They do it right away or f- forget about it. So of the 600 uh, the copies I gave out, I got 59 replies. The first, of course, people had to do it fast. And I said, oh, my God. And I said, this is, this is good. And I told John Woodcock the third what I did. Couldn't show him the comments because that was personal. I just couldn't. And then I also gave him information that came from the auto industry itself. The auto industry makers admitted that the lines, the the factory work lines, they had problems. So I showed that, I gave that written article. Then the the, uh, reply. So I I told on Woodcock, I said, I've been to other representatives. They tell me what I want to hear, but they don't do what I want want to do. And I said, if you're going to be like them, don't tell me that. Don't don't bother. And he said, no, I'll I'll go over the information. I gave him a lot of information. And he uh, he said, Give me a give me a couple of days to to look at the information and I'll call you back. About three days later, he said, "Leonard, I'm going to fight for it." That's why he's going to fight for it. And so that was good. So they put, he proposed the law into the thing, and uh, he gathered he gathered people, new car owners who had problems you know, with their car in the first year and soon after the first year. A number of the people had good the first year and the second year or whatever it was. And he had them lined up at the Capitol, the state Capitol. We had with room about, about 25 car owners, and some of them had lemons on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some of them had lemons on it, yeah. Yeah, and so they had them. This was before the vote, so you know, and they all had signs about money, how much money they spent in a year, first year or the second year, whatever it was to get it fixed. So every each car had uh, its own story. So when they did have the vote, by a large majority, voted for the law, but they didn't vote for uh, for the five, you know, five thousand miles or, or the one year thing. They they voted to improve it for like two years and. Uh, and I think it was twenty five thousand. I wasn't sure of the amount, but it was an improvement. But it was also, it was a, it was but it was also the process in which, if you had certain numbers of claims against a new car, yes. that you now had, the state would represent you, yes, so that you could either get a new car, or get it fixed, yes, one or the other, but and no charge. Yeah, and his Lemon Law actually created a place for lawyers to become Lemon Law lawyers to represent owners 
at state hearings. So yeah. it created this whole law firm. Okay. So that, yeah. Oh, you knew the yeah. lawyers weren't going to be yeah. far behind on this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that, that bill passed the full legislature, both the state senate and the state representative. Uh, and, uh, and after that, I got calls from, I was interviewed by newspapers, you know, local, uh, the Hartford Times at that time. And I had a, uh, I was on TV for, at one of these anchor, news anchors, just for a, a, a short snippet, uh, you know, to tell them about that. But one of the results of that Lemon Law is that new car dealers in Massachusetts, of course, I didn't, Enfield, right, were buying their new cars, not in Massachusetts, but in Connecticut, because Connecticut law says we buy a, a new car in Connecticut, doesn't matter where you live. And that was happening in New York State on the west part, western part of Connecticut. That's the same thing. And in New York, same thing. So the new car deals on the borders were losing sales because of that. So what happened, each state passed, let's see, so Massachusetts passed the Lemon Law, New York passed the Lemon Law, and uh, that's it. it was that's, and uh, yeah, New York. I think Pennsylvania had part of New so York. So it again. was the model of your lemon law yes. that was passed in Connecticut that they used to try and pass yes. other laws in Massachusetts and New York. Because yeah. you said these dealers, if you're on Massachusetts border, go to Connecticut, you got protection. You're in Massachusetts, you got nothing. And yeah. and this was yeah. what year? Somewhere around yeah. this would have been around seventy five, I think. What year was this, Dad? What year? Yeah. Well, it happened in the late seventies because it was a process. Seventies, mm-hmm. late seventies, and uh, but uh, John Woodcock was invited from by several states to, to address their legislature and tell them exactly what process, what the process was. Yeah. He also introduced me to the head of the uh, the, uh, the state legis- the state legislature because they wanted to meet the, they wanted to meet me. They wanted to see me in person, and so I met with them. You know, so yeah. that was interesting. And, uh, yeah. It's funny because John Woodcock took a lot of claim for this law. But when my father retired as a social worker from the state of Connecticut, he showed up at his retirement party and gave me congressional recognition for being the guy that was the father of the Lemon Law. It was yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. He came yeah, he came to my retirement party from the state. Yeah. So th- that's 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 about it. Any kickback from the lawyers or anything? No. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, that the, didn't make a dime on the whole yeah. thing. No. <laughs> yeah, but what happened? But he made enemies with the Connecticut State Dealers uh, Auto Dealers Association. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were, yeah. But anyway, it spread like a domino effect. Every state in the union passed the lemon law. Not right, but each one. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, I heard that one state I won't mention it got rid of the lemon law, and you know, the people were so upset they had to vote it back in. <laughs> you know, crazy. But so you are the father of the lemon law. Well, I didn't call myself the father of the lemon law. What did they call you? Other people called me the father of the lemon law. The crazy old guy from New York that decided to do something? Yeah. But Well, the the auto dealers called them something else, I'm sure. Yeah. But I think it it wasn't long after that that all of a sudden uh, new car warranties all of a sudden changed a little bit. I think, was it Chrysler that had the first five-year 50,000? I want to say that was... First year was 10,000. Yeah, I but think. that's good though. But that, I think that was when Lee Iacocca was going on there and says, "I'm going to stand behind everything when they have yeah, and junk." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. Uh, he changed he changed Chrysler a lot because he introduced the um, the Aries, I believe it was. That was the one of the cars that saved Chrysler. Yeah. Uh, it was the Aries and the minivan. And well, the minivan came just after that, which was okay. I have to mention something that uh, f- uh, one representative I met, I, uh, I spoke to. First name was James. I don't remember his last name, but he he proposed a bill for me. 
you know, put it in. He said, I'm not going to put it in as a, consti- you know, a constituent <laughs> bill, as a, my own bill. Because when you present bills in, in the legislature, you're a congressman or a state, they, a constitu- they put have two ways, their own bill or constituent's bill. The constituent's bill is not worth anything. So anyway, he got up and spoke at the committee. He said, you know, if the automakers don't uh, step up on their quality control, I said, they're going to lose a lot of business to foreign automakers. At that time, the foreign automakers, especially Volkswagen, were making small inroads, and Toyota was making store, small inroads into the market. And he said, if they keep up, those foreign companies are going to take over the market. And sure enough, but even though he spoke about it and what he said was true, they still tabled it. Although he made a good argument for the, uh, uh, what we now know is a lemon law, but still tabled it. But then uh, when, uh, when Woodcock got in, that's you know I told you about what, how it happened you know what. But Woodcock was a wealthy guy that had money. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't rely, I believe, on auto industry to give him money for no right his reelection yeah. and everything else. It Be- took somebody yeah. who had the fortitude to say, I could get elected again without having the auto industry in my pocket. He did get reelected, right? <laughs> no. But but there's a story. But there's there's something about the story. Is I was told over and over again, you can't fight City Hall. Now, City Hall is a, is a name for government. It was, you know, and they were, I heard that many times. You're fighting City Hall. It gave me something to think about. I said, if you have a, if you have a cause and a cause, you have to speak about it and see if you want to go further. That's when I was told that you can't fight City Hall. You know? But I didn't listen to them, and I fought it, and I was encouraged by my wife, who's who, my dear wife, who has passed away in a couple of years, a couple of years ago. And she encouraged me to do what she, you know, she, if she discouraged me, I think I would have had to stop. But wasn't it more Lenny, go get a hobby, leave me alone? I love my stepmom. She's yeah. a good lady. Yeah, yeah but, uh, but the thing is, uh, doing that, you know, doing what I was doing meant I lost vacation time from my job, you know, so our vacations were cut short. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but anyway, it it teaches a lesson that if you're fighting for a cause, you got to make up your mind. Either you're going to fight all the way or don't fight at all. Well, mm-hmm. if the cause is, if there is. Whatever a, cause it is. If, the, if you have a cause and the cause is just, then you fight right. for it. You fight, but you can't go heavy. You can't be discouraged. And I, I tell people, other people are going to discourage you. And that's what happened with me. I was discouraged the whole time. And this was after five representatives. <laughs> you get them. You so, know what I'm curious about, Lenny, is at the beginning, the, the person that had the bad car, I'm just wondering, what kind of car was this that he was complaining about? I'm just, now yeah. I, I'm... Well, it wasn't any particular car, but it was new cars in general. But the cars that showed up at the state house were cars from, uh, from General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was all well they had the market back then yeah, yeah. I mean they had the market the, then yeah, yeah the introduction of the yeah, uh, yeah. small the, the Toyotas yeah. and the Datsuns yeah. didn't come in until until the uh, gas crisis and because they had the four-cylinder engines they weren't the gas guzzlers that uh, that Detroit was putting out at the time because all the Detroit cars were eight cylinders yeah well I tell you another consequence of the lemon law is that the automakers started using a quality con- better quality control so they were making better cars mm-hmm. and because they were making better cars they were able to increase 
instead of one year, it was two. Different states mm-hmm. had different uh, okay, so one Dad, year, uh, two years, three years. We need to wrap this up, but I have to believe that you're responsible for helping automakers make better cars. Yes. Because right. the Lemon Law <laughs> yeah, yeah. was holding them responsible yeah. that if they yeah. put crap out, that it was going to cost them. They were yes. being held accountable. They had to step up their game. Right. Yeah. There, there were no but, more 76 Pintos coming out there. <laughs> but, Hallelujah. But so, so, Dad, I got to tell you, I'm proud of you. You're a crazy old goat. I love you. (laughs) We're so glad that you were here. But Marcelo let you talk way too much. We've got to end this because Don's telling me that we're out of time. Don, tell him. We are out of time. We're out of time. But that's a great story. That is a great story. Thank you. Last question. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Dad, last question. Do you have any regrets about not being a business owner? I know you had four kids. You had to feed the family. And you took a job as a social worker for the state of Connecticut. Well, I majored in government. Right. So that's why it was not... It wasn't something I thought at the last minute. You should have been an elected official. Well, I didn't want to go into the political part of government. <laughs> you wanted to help people, right? Like, that's the, the social worker. I mean, I'm sure it came in handy raising you, yeah? I don't think so. <laughs> but, but a few I, of my I, siblings, maybe. I <laughs> wish I had more time to tell you that the straw that broke, that broke the camel's back, they're giving out those 600 things. Oh, those, yeah. Uh, and that, that, that's my kids. Well, it's you, called, had, to get, you yeah. had to get them out of the house and do something. It's called child labor laws. That would be an issue right now. So, <laughs> oh, yes. another, that's a, yeah. Oh, I think it was getting I you guys out of the house. I wish I can come on for a couple of causes that I'm too old to, to fight for right now because you need time. But I love to get on it so, and well, say what the cause is. We can bring them back. Bring and somebody back. pick up what I tell them, that we need somebody to pick up the ball and, and run with and it. run with it. Oh, you're still young enough. You could do it. No, <laughs> your brother. Your brother was 101 when he passed. You're only 95. Yeah, but it took five years. For See, you <laughs> got time. That. You're a youngin. I had the pleasure of your uncle in here. Uncle His Jack. brother. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, I'm clear. I, I have to thank you for having me. And uh, well, this I never I'm glad had you were an here. interview like this. My interviews are always short. All the, the reporters from Times was was a little lengthy. Because they wanted background, why and what, when, yeah. 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 But this was before the law was passed then. But after the law was passed, I had more people <laughs> interview me. Yeah. Dad, thanks for being here. You're a good man. I love you. I love you too, Alan. Thank you, Dad. Okay. Thanks, Lenny. I'm surprised. I, I don't exactly, <laughs> I like you, but I don't love you. Okay, so. <laughs> and I never I really liked him anyway. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Secret to My Success on Legends 100.3. 